from the trenches. Welcome to Reality Check, a podcast for accountants, hosted by Shay Thaya and Rebecca Mahalik. In this podcast, we dive deep into important topics and moments worth celebrating in the accounting industry. This show is brought to you by From the Trenches, Real Life in Accounting. Hello and welcome everyone to Reality Check with Shay and Beck. I just wanted to take a little moment this morning just to say thank you. Thank you for listening. This is a new thing for Beck and I and we're so incredibly grateful to have you all spending some time with us today and any other days that you do listen to our episodes. Thank you. We appreciate you. What's happening, Beck? Lots of things. And just echoing your thoughts, you had such a great response to announcing the podcast. And for the us, it's been a few weeks in the making, but I know it's brand new to some of the listeners. So thank you again for all that support. And hopefully you're enjoying what we have to talk about, that it's not all bad and it's not all good, but sometimes somewhere in the middle. And today, my first thing I want to talk about is somewhere in the middle. It's not really necessarily something that's terrible. It's not something that's bad. It's more something that really interests me. The best thing about doing this podcast is I am reading a lot more than I had been maybe through COVID again. So I've got Cutie Mag out and reading my AFR, I'm reading in the black, I'm doing all this again, which is exciting because I'm a total nerd apparently because I find that really, really exciting. But I read this article on the weekend around automatic audit and it was written by our very good friend Sholto and it was in the Acuity magazine, CANZ Acuity magazine. Now, this article talks all about the latest audit tools that are around. Now, I don't do stacks of audit, but we do do audit in this firm and we use some what I feel is clunky-ish software, but still better than what we used to use. We're constantly looking to evolve and use better products. But this is all about new tools that are around to deliver, what's to say, faster, higher and quality audits. But the problem is that they're not being implemented. So humans are still being relied upon to do most of the grunt work. Now, this is devastating to anybody, particularly you and I, Shay, because we hate <laughs> the grunt work being done by anybody that's not artificial. So, and in audit, it's scary when it's people doing the grunt work because the grunt work looks boring. It's repetitive in a time where we are resource stretched. So we don't have enough juniors and undergrads and new starters coming into the field who would normally do the grunt work. Stuff's going to get missed. Stuff's going to get done wrong. It's going to be glanced over. And that's really problematic. And that idea in my mind was then confirmed by this article where there's this running article in the AFR around court actions against the big four firms and they're all audit-based court actions and this article they just update them there's so many going on they just keep chucking a new one on the pile and like this article's been updated and all four of them are in big trouble and some of them have done really really bad dodgy stuff and some of them just didn't having great processes in place or rushed through something so this rushing through piece i feel like could be fixed with some of the automation And hopefully with the way the tech works, some of the dodginess could start to be fixed by automation. But they are probably the least well-adopted firms out there when you're talking about technology in that space. Now, Shay, you probably have a few comments around audit technology, given your background. Oh, my gosh, certainly not an expert. And I think that probably showed in the tenure of my time in an audit technology business. But... I was just thinking when you were talking back that it's almost like 
And what I remember hearing a lot, I certainly didn't speak specifically to anyone from the big four about dodgy audits, but we've had this sort of change of client expectations right across the accounting industry over a period of time. And we've had to adopt technology in order to keep up with that, right? There's no way we can do everything manually and still meet the sort of fee expectations of our clients. And I think there's certainly a bit in there. There's actually a lot in there from an audit perspective. What's incredibly troubling is that even at the big four level, if they can't get enough fees to do a good job on their audits, that's a problem. Of course, it was part of my job previously to have these conversations with audit clients about, sorry, with audit firms, I should say, about how they do this, but how are they evolving to make sure that they can actually keep up with the expectations of their clients, get the work done within the fee budgets and all this, and they have to adopt technology. And like, okay, I know that change in accounting firms generally can be challenging. I also know, and this is a broad brush, and I know many amazing auditors, and I will shout out to a few of you when we post this episode, because I do adore you and I think you're amazing. But generally speaking, auditors can be difficult to get along with and difficult to convince that maybe they should do something differently. And a lot of the reason for that is, and this is why I'm not an auditor, because it's just incredibly complex and lots of pressure and rules and things like that, is that the anxiety around compliance is massive. And it should be because that's literally your job as an auditor is to make sure things are compliant. And so when we talk about things like introducing AI into the process, the very first thing that anyone ever says is, how do I know that it's doing the right thing? How do I know the machine is telling me the right thing? And then you have this conversation around, is a black box? I don't know how the algorithm works. Do I need to be a data scientist? And it just goes round and round and round for months and we still haven't implemented anything and we're still doing manual things and we're still cutting corners because we can't get the work done in the right amount of time to stay within fee vouchers and stuff. So it is a, such a big issue. It's such a big issue. And if anyone knows anything about AI, and again, I throw my hand up and say, I'm not an expert, but AI couldn't be better placed like than in audit. We talk about what do we do in audit? We look for exceptions. We look for anomalies. What's AI really good at? Anomaly detection. Fancy that. Fancy that. But again, I think certainly what we know in Australia is that the standards are a little bit lagging in terms of allowing firms to confidently adopt new tech in this space, especially AI. But I mean confidence. It's, there's nothing structural that's in the way of picking up something new and doing it better, but it's about confidence. And so my challenge to the industry in Australia in particular is to have the courage to be one of the first ones. Go and be the prosperity advisors that are using amazing AI-driven tools for their audits. Go and be the picture partners that are doing amazing stuff and are really scaling their audit practice. Go and be those people, be those firms, because they're going to race ahead of everyone else. Or on the flip side, they're just not going to be in the AFR every week. <laughs> or every, yeah, that's hilarious. I have an ongoing article that doesn't cease because it keeps on making new additions to it. Now, what's interesting, though, in the article from Sholto, which is an Acuity magazine, it does talk about KPMG and EY building out their own software recently to deal with this, which I find really interesting because I suppose where, uh, not that I'm accusing them, 
this time of doing anything wrong. I really try not to hate on these guys. And I have many good friends who work at the big four. But I suppose where's the checks and balances on that? And where is the result out of this software as well when they're using things that they've either internally built or why not use something that's external, that's available for everybody, that increases the ability for you to work with the client or work with other accountants in the space so that you're all in the same software as well. So we don't do a lot of audits, but we work with other companies with audits. So I work with KPMG on audits. I work with, they're not big four, but just below. So we would do audits with Crow. And that process, that data sharing process as well, we have the tightest tight lines, like particularly with public reporting listing, having to get a report, you know, started in and out and done in four to six weeks on mammoth international companies. Like this is a huge task. And I just feel like we're not getting where we need to be. If I see more spreadsheets that are broken fall out of this process and just things not working. It's insanity. My team works ridiculous hours just because the processes are so manual. So what I'd love to see is some greater stuff in this area. I know Dex has been doing some stuff. We talked about it just beforehand. So Dex position. I mean, these things aren't normally seen as audit software, but between that and expert, there are some pieces over there that sort of maintain the integrity of data the whole way through. And if those things are in place, they work. We've used approval marks as well with one of our clients, which has been fantastic. So every time we add this extra little piece of software, sure, it might cost more and you might have to learn, but it's all about taking away that risk one little step at the time. And I just, again, this is not best on ground or worst on ground. It's more of a hope for the ground. Let's get some more automation in order happening. I think that's it for me on this one. <laughs> yeah, amazing. And shout out to Sholto for a really well-written article. I, I love reading his stuff and I adore him as a human. So good stuff. Even if it is audit, which we probably all consider a very boring topic, but it was a great article. Something amazing happened to me recently, that, which is a pretty big deal, as I feel like we've had a number of weeks of just sort of trawling through the mud <laughs> and suddenly the sun's starting to come out in Adelaide, which is very exciting. It's been blooming cold and I've had enough of it to be quite frank. So there's a bit of a backstory with this one, so just bear with me. So everyone's super excited about ZeroCon and like, don't get me wrong, I've loved a good ZeroCon in my time. I'm not sure that, I feel like my time might be over for ZeroCon, just saying, you know, I'm not sure that this is a place where I will be actively let in the door anymore and that's okay but but you and I met at ZeroCon I don't know if you remember that but oh how my, could I forget I know <laughs> oh my god it was like it was a woe down it was like love at first sight I remember oh my god this woman sees me she hears me oh my god we're going to be best friends forever so cute <laughs> um, oh my god uh, so much I've got so many feelings coming back so it was like an epic week anyway we'll come back to that <laughs> So in the world of tech conferences, apparently, you have not lived unless you've been to Dreamforce, Salesforce Dreamforce, apparently. And right next to this, you haven't accounting conferenced unless you've been to the actual QuickBooks Connect in America. And this is not intended to be an Intuit versus Zero thing. I honestly don't care. But objectively speaking, the best accounting conference in the world, Intuit are the biggest and the richest small business accounting software platform in the world. Six million small business, small businesses and accountants and bookkeepers using QuickBooks Online. They've got the resource to put on a good shindig, right? 
So as head of accounting, I'm getting super excited for my first ever trip to America, because I've never been to America, and Vegas, no less. And so Taya and I were driving Avery to gymnastics the other night. So Taya's my eldest daughter. For those playing at home, Avery is my youngest. And Taya says, Mum, what are we doing on the 7th of December? And like most of us, I was like, I don't know, it's really long way away. I have no idea. Here, have a look in my phone or my have a look in my calendar on my phone. She says, Oh no, you've got a hot date with Harry. And for those again playing at home, Harry is my husband. His name is Lee. His last name is Harrison, so we call him Harry. Every Wednesday we have date night. We do this. It sounds really clunky and deliberately, and I feel like we need a whole show about how Beck and I run our personal lives because I think it's hysterical and often a farce, but whatever. <laughs> how not to electrocute yourself in the bath with your laptop could be the headline, I think. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, every Wednesday we take it in terms of being the boss of date night. And it's wonderful. I feel like things would fall apart if we didn't do that. Anyway, so Taya says, Mummy, I want you to come to my graduation. And I was like, oh, my God, Taya, of course. <laughs> Lee and I can go out anytime. You know, you only graduate from primary school once. Of course we're going to come. And it wasn't until the Monday after that that I opened my work diary and thought, oh, my God, <laughs> QuickBooks Connect is on the 7th and the 8th of December. <laughs> And of course, my little heart was like torn. My little heart was completely torn in two, but it took me like 0.5 of a second to be like, well, I'm not going to Vegas. I'm going to Taylor's graduation. It's not even a question. And this was like an amazing thing for me because I've actually never, ever, ever felt safe enough to make decisions like that. And I didn't even have to blink, think, consider or anything like I knew that Lars would be like yeah totally we'll miss you and you have FOMO I knew there would be no issues whatsoever and I just remember thinking to myself like I literally had no feelings of missing out in making that decision and I've never ever felt like that before and before we start going, oh, well, of course, you know, Intuit's a massive business and they've got lots of money so they can get to have all these beautiful inclusive policies and all of this sort of thing. I'm going to call BS on that now because there's no reason why I should have grown up in an industry that made me so frightened to prioritise my family at the times that matter. I remember in the last firm I worked at taking more than a week to write a business case about why the business would be better off if I worked from home on Fridays. So I literally had to write a page. I was agonized over it so much. And it was basically because Fridays was when I had to pick the girls up from school. I was so distracted in the office constantly because I was in one of those roles where everyone needs a piece of you every 10 seconds. I didn't have an office even though I was an AD and everyone else that was an AD had an office, but don't worry, I wasn't, anyway, we won't go on with that sentence, but anyway. And so working from home helped me be a lot more productive. It was a no-brainer. Should have been two sentences in an email, off you go. Thanks to Access Offshoring for supporting this episode of Reality Check. Access are the offshore recruitment specialists for the accounting industry. With over a decade of industry experience, Access Offshoring helps you to find talented and high-quality accountants based in the Philippines, allowing you to create sustainable growth and meet client demands, as well as improving your bottom line and gross profit. 
Speak to the team at Access Offshoring today to watch a best practice presentation on finding the right staff and creating a high-performing accounting team. But that, that week, that Zericon that you and I met was kind of pivotal, right? Like I was a broken human. Yeah, I remember. I was sick, physically sick. I was mentally sick. And to be honest, after making some choices and choosing new career things and whatnot, I pretty much needed like, not therapy, what is it? Rehab. I feel like I needed rehab to be, to just constantly in fear and in that sort of push pull of things that we need to do to life versus work and having it always be a versus, it can never be like a blend is not right. It's not right. And I think this applies equally. This is like a parent thing, right? I think clearly there's a big conversation around this stuff with women. It's something we've always had to struggle with because, and I'm for those playing at home again, I'm doing air quotes. We choose to be the carers of our children. We choose to take time off and give birth. Never seen a man be able to take time off and give birth, but just <laughs> saying. Um, and all of those choices that we make, we create our own guilt and parent guilt. But it's like, I think about the blokes as well that want to do a good job. There's a young man in the same organization that I used to work that was like, always, everyone's like, he's a star. Look at him. He's so young, up and comer. He's smashing the lights out. He got married and had a baby. And now the conversation that sits around him is, oh, we don't see him anymore. You know what? We see him plenty, but he's just not here till 7.30 every night. Cause you know what? He wants to be a good dad. He wants to be part of his child's life and that's his choice. And the whole rhetoric sitting and the whole conversation sitting around him is that means he's not a performer anymore. And that's just disgusting. And so just made me again think about we need to do better as an industry around this stuff. I know I'm having a sulk about what I've experienced, but for me to have come out of an organisation that looks beautiful at the front says lots of amazing things into certainly into the employee market puts amazing values on the wall to be consistently undervalued disrespected played down thrown under the bus subject to enormous narcissism constantly and made to feel like shameful about even having a family is just not right now i know not all firms are like this but it doesn't cost lars and it doesn't cost into it any money to say, of course, of course you don't have to go to this massive conference where you're going to meet all of these amazing people in your network that you absolutely should meet. And I will, but do you know what? QuickBooks Connect is going to be next year as well. Taya is not going to graduate next year. She's going to graduate once and just is what it is. Yeah, absolutely. And I grew up in firms that were similar to your experience as well and it's funny we probably approached it differently though I think the whole way through you knew it was wrong but I had this I a terrible motto and this picture that I was actually proud of that hung up in my office I don't remember all of it completely but it was something like look like a lady work like a man be a boss or something totally disgusting like that but I had almost been brainwashed through years and years of the way that I worked and the people I worked with and just the general environment, that that was something to admire or live up to. I took phone calls when I was in labour from clients, which is just 
revolting and I used to wear that as a badge of honour because I did that. I went back to work at three months. I had work sent home when the kids were only six weeks. Hey, shit. I regret every single one of those decisions. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, completely regret it. And it took me years to know that I regretted that. And I have my daughter, my gorgeous daughter, turned 15 last week. I have a 15-year-old, which is just completely my Oh, my God. And she just drives me totally up the wall. And she's a total superstar. And I, I have missed more than I should have, but I've missed a hell of a lot less since I started my own journey. Yeah, because if I work till seven or whenever it is, I do that on my own terms and on a night that I know that I can. When I have to walk out the door at two o'clock because there's something happening at school, I get in my car, I walk out the door, I go. I have team members and not just mums, mums and dads and people who need to be there for their family. I had a girl come to me the other day who needs to go see her mum overseas because she's sick and she's going. And it's like, fine. She was so scared. I was going to say, no, no, go, get the fine, go do what you have to do. Mm-hmm. This is not just about being a parent. It's about being a human who has relationships and needs well outside of making sure that someone else's business is running. Like, this is my baby. This is my business. I pour my whole soul into it, but it's not everybody's and everyone has something else that they need to do. And it's not my everything. I still have this family and this wonderful life that I need to and want to desperately maintain and spend time in. And you have to make the choices that allow you to do that. And these places that don't work with people are going to find the limit of people who are left. Money is not going to always drive everything. No, you're absolutely right. And I think we've been hearing about this from our female colleagues for a long time. And it likes so many of these things, they'll change because the men speak up. But this is a big shout out to the millennial dads and oh, God help us if we've got the next generation of dads. Woo. But make sure you ask for what you need if you want your life to look a certain way and you want to be a certain kind of dad and a certain kind of parent you can you can there is no reason why you can't you don't ask you don't get i still feel like we're in that place it's not right it should be more open than that but ask for it because you are absolutely entitled to that and if our industry wants to have anyone left in it i think we need to do so much better at this anyway worst on ground for me what else have we got, Beck? What else have we got? I have got, so <laughs> this is just a ramble today about our personal experiences, I think, Shay. <laughs> so mine, I had on the weekend, I mean, first of all, I had this amazing thing happen. My daughter, who I just spoke about, won her grand final in soccer. She's a goalkeeper. And I talked about soccer in the last episode, so you can tell, like, we're football fans over here. And there were also the undefeated premiers. They were undefeated all season and clean sheet in grand final, which means not one goal got past her. So and the score, I think, was 8-0 in the end. So absolutely slammed it. Has absolutely nothing to do with anything we're doing now. I'm just super, super proud of my daughter. I want to shout out to her. Yes. Very exciting weekend. But also on the weekend, I had a nightmare. And I had this ridiculous nightmare. And I don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast, but I have a client who's going through an insolvency. And in my 21 or 22-year career, this is the second client ever I've had go through an insolvency. I've had clients who've had their contractors and people around them go into insolvency. So I've dealt with that process through them. But this is only the second time ever it's happened. 
And it is, the first one was, you know, it was probably a nice clean one. It was just a regulatory environment. It didn't work for them anymore. This is a nasty, messy insolvency. And it's been stressful to go through on my end, knowing that I worked with them for a long time and did absolutely raise red flags and tried to talk to them and tried to get information. And I've got more emails sent out with no correspondence back than I can count. But I had this nightmare on the weekend that somebody wrote an article about my involvement with the company and it went in the newspaper. None of this happened, of course, but it was his nightmare. My name was like in big letters in the headline and freaked me out. And I woke up in this panic and I started thinking about, did I do enough? Could I have helped them more? Did I tell them more? And I think when you're invested in your clients, this is something that you always think and you always want to know, did I do the best for them? Could I have done more to help them get through that situation? I don't think I could have. Even when things were really tough for them through COVID, we worked for them at either discounted or almost free rates and tried to help them get through that. And a series of events have led to this disastrous stage. Which then brings me around to thinking, well, where's the help? Mm. Like this is not my speciality. I work with startups. I work with growing companies. I work with people with strong balance sheets. I've done that. And these guys were there and we worked through that. And then life, unfortunately, they were in an industry that was greatly impacted by COVID. And then they got some advisors in and they got other investors in and it all kind of turned into a bit of a mess. But for us, we're a decent-sized firm. I've got other partners and other directors with great experience that I can lean on. We've got education that we run. We have checklists that we run to, you know, identify with our teams to make sure that they're looking for certain items, you know, checking ratios on client balance sheets. We're doing this stuff. Do we do it at every single client every single week? Absolutely not. But we do do, I think, a good job but I know that that's a huge lift for us and there are clients out there accountants out there who wouldn't have the resources to be able to do that and not only that I just don't see in the education at the front and center I'm not seeing our bodies pushing this education and I kind of remembered it I remember when we first went into COVID there was all that education that was coming around because they caused the director's personal liability for trading while insolvent for six months and they went through that process and there's all this education about how to identify if your client's struggling well you know that's more than two years ago that was March 2020 we have gone through COVID it's still lingering it's still causing some disruption here and there but all the grants are gone all the money's gone Petrol prices are huge. Inflation is huge. Businesses is suffering. Money is slow. Resources are rare. This is when we should be concerned. And I went through and I can't see, even in the Acuity magazine, the last article that I can see around how to save a company from insolvency was in February 2020. Perfect timing back then, but also perfect timing right now. And I went and had a look and I'm just not seeing the education. Why are we not talking about it? Because it's happening. I'm seeing more insolvencies. I'm talking to more accountants who are involved in more insolvency work. I'm getting calls like Ryan Center from the insolvency guys looking for my work. So they know it's happening. How do we stop this? Where's the education and where are our reporting bodies? How do our membership bodies actually like, this is a, might be a dumb question, how do they connect with what's actually happening in real life and then tailor their stuff 
like, do they do that or do they not do that? Maybe they should listen to From the Trenches, but like actual do. I mean, I'm trying to think of how they're organised, right? They have lots of regional committees and they would talk about lots of things. Surely there would be a laddering up and an ability to prioritise from there. Like they would hear this. It's not just you that's got Oh, absolutely. They hear this. I belong to the CA, one of their metro working groups in this area. This has been raised. Like we talked about distress and distress. And we also talked about it flow on effect from there to the mental health of the practitioners in the area. Now, I am in Sydney, but I'm not in Sydney city. I'm just out on the outskirts. So it's a lot more smaller firms out here. And that's who's in the working group. And these guys and girls are talking about it's being discussed. I've seen some little bits and pieces of things flow out of that, but I really thought that there would be more going on. Yeah. Do you know, there's something wrong with us, Beck. <laughs> like normally, well, maybe. One thing. We just one, just one thing today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, potentially if we were, I don't know, born differently, I'm going to say if we were a couple of white blokes, we would be having dreams about, our name up in lights for like special reasons. Like we just launch a podcast and you're having a dream that your name's up in lights. Because oh, no, we can unpack my dream another day. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh my gosh. I just, oh my gosh. But I, yeah, I'm with you. I feel like I'm being way too agreeable today, but I'm with you. I am just a bit confused about how that channel works, how such a big, important organisation like the CA or, I mean, I I read both the CA and the CPA stuff because I find it equally useful, but how do they even prioritise? Anyway, moving on. I'm pretty happy with my best on ground today, I must say, if I do say so myself. So best on ground for Shay today goes to Simon Foster from Zero. He is my hero. He's my Zero hero. And I think he will have that title and that accolade with me for a very long time, unless someone else at Zero does something miraculous. So recently in Voicing Week, incredibly exciting. I feel like I have now learned everything there possibly is to do with e-invoicing. So for context, as head of accounting at Intuit, it's not really my job to know finer details of every tiny piece of tech and product. And so sometimes I feel a little bit wobbly when I need to talk about them in public. So I have lots of amazing people that help me do that. And I'm so grateful for that. Shout out to the amazing marketing team, advisor marketing team, headed by Damien Greathead, amazing wingman. You are a legend and you know it. Anywho, we did a webinar with the CA. So we had Adam from the ATO, Simon from Zero, and myself from Intuit. And Simon suggested in the pregame, he said, we should demo together, Shay. And I just about fell off my freaking chair. I just immediately got weird and said, I love you. Simon, I love you. You are my favourite person. You've literally made my year. This is the best idea ever. And look, at the concept is not rocket science, right? We're demonstrating how e-invoicing works in a economy of small business where we all know that not every small business uses the same platform. So what an amazing way to talk to a bunch of bookkeepers and accountants about how their clients might use e-invoicing, but to show them that transpiring across different platforms. Amazing. The reason this is such a big deal for me is because never, ever, ever in my experience have I seen cloud accounting platforms hold hands together. And I want to tell you about one thing that 
Oh my gosh, to steal my husband's segment on his radio, grind my gears. I don't know what the right phrase is, but I wanted to scream, like proper scream. So part of my role at BDO was delivering the National Business Services Conference, which I believe has just wrapped up and looks like was another massive success. It took six months of my year, every single year to deliver this thing. Zero and QBO were strategic partners of ours. BDO clearly has clients that use a plethora of different platforms. And so our message that year, we had a, a really decent strategy about moving clients to the cloud. And I know probably a bit behind the eight ball, but this was part of my role in helping that firm get there and they're doing amazing stuff now. Okay, guys, I need to organize this content for this conference. You've seen our strategy. I share our strategy transparently with both of you. I'd love you guys, rather than it be the Shay Show, because God knows I got told every second day that it better not be the Shay Show. Can you please stand on stage and deliver a message about the benefits of cloud and how it's going to help you be more awesome with your clients and how clients can put it? All the basic stuff, right? Dale, into it. No problem. That sounds amazing. Tell us what you wanted to talk about. What do you want it to look like? My darling friend from Zero. Shay, I want to, but I'm not allowed to. Are you freaking kidding me? Are you literally, like we are, I don't like to do the don't you know who I am. I certainly not me personally, but from a BDO perspective, I was coached to make sure that I at some times used something that sounded like don't you know who we are to make sure we had the right leverage. Like seriously, can you please help me? Please stand up there and deliver this message so that we can have this strategic impact across our organization. You've got every single partner from the country, every partner, every AD, a bunch of managers. You've got hundreds of people in the room. You won't stand together and deliver a message about a mission that you both subscribe to. Oh my God. Couldn't have been angrier. Like, yeah, respect levels sort of plummeted and all of that stuff. So for Simon to literally straight out of the gate say to me, Let's demo together. That'd be amazing. My tiny mind was blown and he just owns best on ground. Owns it, owns it. If you don't know Simon, he's like one of the nicest people that I've ever met. Do you remember Shoeboxed? Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. so he's the Shoeboxed guy. Oh, <laughs> I know. So, and this is what I love about him as well. He knows his stuff. He's built stuff. He's delivered it. He understands accounts and bookkeepers. He's the president of the DSP as well, which, you know, just in terms of integrity and values across technology businesses in Australia, I'm like, yes, go zero. You have an amazing human in your organization. That's awesome. Yeah. Done. Done. <laughs> I think that's fantastic. You know, and I do have a question though. How did the demo go? Oh, it was so good. And I got it. And this is why I just gushed over demo. So the week before I was really, really sick. So it's when I had my surgery, my recovery was not what I expected and I was really ill. And I just threw out into the organization because this is not what I like to do. I like to own my stuff. You know, I'm a high achiever. So yeah, anyway, let's not go there. And I was like, urgent help needed. Because <laughs> never mind that I'm not, highly skilled at pushing all of the buttons in all of the tech, let alone all of the ecosystem tools that connect to our tech and blah, blah, blah. So I'm not confident. I could do it, but I'm not confident. And I was sick. I was like, please, can someone help me get a demo script together with Simon, get it happening? 
so that I can represent the business the following week and not look like a total dork. Never mind that I had total imposter syndrome because Simon is like the guy. His title is GM product invoicing. So he knows everything. <laughs> and I was like, you know, yeah, anyway, I need to be across a lot. So I just certainly I do not have the depth of expertise in e-invoicing that Simon does. So I was feeling a bit starstruck also. So Damo's bombed in, got it all organized while I was like just useless for that week. And I literally just got to show up and I think it went really well. So it was like one of those moments where I just rock up and look good, but he made it happen. And so I was so grateful. That is awesome. And I've worked with Damien as well. And he, that is one good human over there who has been, was a huge support with me when we worked together as well. So I am sad I don't get to work with him anymore, but glad that at least you do. Yeah. <laughs> and now he's got a mini demo. Have you met Gus? No, I have oh, not met Gus. Looking forward to meeting mini demo. Oh my God, it's so cute. That's awesome. I think that's it for us today. That's it. That's, that's it. it. We've got stuff to unpack next week, though. We've got drones, whole range of stuff. Oh, so <laughs> many things. Yes. How do you actually function within your house with all of those buckets of responsibility? Mm, well, sometimes it doesn't go to plan. <laughs> no, but it's sure this fun. Amazing. Thank you so much, listeners, for joining us today. Hope you enjoyed our show and we hope to have you on for our next episode. Stay tuned. Thanks, everybody. See you. Thank you again, listeners. Beck and I would love to hear from you. We'd love your ideas. We'd love your feedback on everything, anything. We love all of it. I can be reached on Twitter, Shay underscore Thaya, so that's S-H-A-Y-E underscore Thaya, T-H-Y-E-R, and on LinkedIn, Shay Thaya. And I can be reached on Twitter and LinkedIn, both at Rebecca Mahalik, R-E-B-E-C-C-A-M-I-H-A-L-I-C. From the trenches.